This week on Center City Overtime, we take a look all things Ezra as we consider all that God does in preparation for your build season. This is one you don't want to miss. Make sure you like, subscribe. Let's get it. Welcome to Center City Overtime, a weekly podcast where we take a little more time to dive into Sunday's message. And this week, I feel like there's been so much anticipation for this series, even though we've only known about it for two weeks. Um, Ezra. Ezra. Yeah. I think because you announced last week that we had made a change to the plans and um, we're going to be talking out of your personal devotion, kind of got it just spoken and brought this up. Yeah. I feel like so many people over the last week have been like, I can't wait to start Ezra. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what God has to say. And, um, and it really felt that way in the room, like we were kicking off something that is going to be significant if... Um, not just for individuals, but even for us as a church family, without any, like you've said very clearly, we're not secretly in a building campaign. We're not like, <laughs> surprise, we're going to be raising money for this building. Like there's no bait and switch happening. And yet there is a sense that um, God, is, God is up to something, clearly. Absolutely. Um, so before we dive into the actual content of Ezra, I just wondered if you would share a little bit of how you got from this place where you were reading Ezra in your personal devotion time and, and you're always reading something, walking through something in your personal time that's kind of separate from what we're doing as a church, but um, how God made it clear to you that this was actually something for Center City Church and not just John Hernandez. Yeah, so to kind of take it back a little bit, um, I have this process um, that's been kind of ingrained in me through years of mentorship um, you know, whether it was Billy Cole or Curtis Cook or Matt Curie or uh, Rick Ross, where um, I, I just was always the, the importance of um, personal Bible study was always expressed. And in not just personal di- discipleship, but in the discipleship of others, it's always been a big part of uh, our journey. It's always kind of, hey, what is God saying? What are you reading? What are you walking through? If we believe that God is speaking, then personal devotion time is how you tune your ear to his voice. And then um, for me personally as a pastor, um, I, there's a temptation sometimes. And I think, uh, you know, there's not a wrong or right, but I know for me personally, there's been a temptation in seasons where I'm in the word because of Sunday morning's pulpit. I'm in the word because I'm prepping for a Bible study or a marriage seminar or something of that nature. Um, but I've always just had this thought of, hey, I need personal time with the Lord so he can speak to me about me. And I'm very selfish about that time. I, I kind of joke and like, that's my time with the Lord. It's not yours. So um, so what my normal rhythm is, is that I, you know, my morning devotions are me soaping through books. They're nothing, it's not like deep study. The deep study is what I do for Sunday mornings. Deep study is what we do um, for preparation. But it's just simple soaping through different books. And I've done this for years. Now, it's not that my devotions don't normally influence a Sunday morning because, again, you, um, you know, one of the series that we look back fondly on was James. And, you know, through prayer, we felt like God was saying, hey, why don't we walk through this book together? So we walk through this book together and I go back and I've done James a couple times. So I'm looking through all the notes that I've gathered in, in, in years past. But it is rare that what I'm currently um, in the middle of studying uh, I will. F- I feel like the Lord is asking me to bring to a Sunday morning. So what w- happened about two weeks ago is sitting there walking through Ezra because it's again what I do, 
And as I'm walking through Ezra, um, that afternoon I told Ashley, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but Ezra's wrecking me. And uh, it may be a series that we end up doing at some point or another. And the next conversation a couple days later was, okay, let's look at the preaching schedule. We might need to change some things up. Uh, if you read through Ezra, you'll see that a lot of Ezra is about building. So I felt like, oh, at first, maybe I'll just earmark this for a season when we do walk through building, because, you know, that's going to happen within the constructs of the life of a church. But just really felt impressed that God was saying, no, there's some people sitting in the community right now that listen, you know, that are part of Center City every Sunday morning that are walk or about to walk through seasons of the build. Um, I, this word is for them. So that's where we're at. And it's it's been a fun journey so far. Yeah, it has been all five verses that all we've gone verses. through. Um, and I know you talk about people being in a season of building. And um, sometimes for me, it's hard to get my mind away from the actual metaphor. So I'm constantly like construction, blueprints, getting the ground ready. And we do have some people in our church that are so talented yeah, in construction absolutely. and part of that. But when you're talking about people who may be in a season of building or getting ready to step into a season of building, what is that actually, like, what are some examples of what that yeah. means? Well, I mean, the season of buildings just can be a, a transition into any uh, new season. So whether that's transitioning into new seasons relationally, um, you know, maybe there's a, 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 new, um, a new relationship that's being, you know, kind of brought in front of you. So we have some young couples that are stepping into a season of marriage. So they're building whoop, whoop. marriage. Yeah, whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, we seem to have a ton of them right now. Um, so that's the preparation for the season of marriage. Um, you know, we have some families that are changing the dynamics of the family are changing, whether it's pregnancies or kids or people having kids, whether it's fostering and adopting, that's, that's an area we can build. It's not just relational. Sometimes it's at work. Like it's a new season, a new career path, a new side hustle or some, something that was a side hustle is now kind of moved into the main hustle. And, um, God may be calling you to step deeper into that and, and to build that next season of career. Um, sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's about a, a season of building to mental health and physical health and emotional health and spiritual health. And God may be prepping you for that season. So it's not just a physical building, but sometimes it actually is. And uh, regardless where you are, I think one of the things that we'll learn is that God does stir hearts to a new season. So it's amazing already to hear people who say things like, man, as soon as you start speaking through Ezra, um, I, I know God is stirring my heart to build in the next season. Yeah, and um, I'm glad you said that because if that is you, if you're watching this and yeah. you already know, like the Spirit just gave you that nudge, like this is for you and you know what that thing is that you're building, go ahead and let us know. We have a prayer request form and our pastors and elders get all of those requests and we pray over them and we would love to just pray with you as that's happening. And maybe you're sitting here and you're a little frustrated because you're like, I want that to be me, but I feel like I'm still just stuck in a season I've been in forever maybe two or three weeks from now, you'll kind of see what that building season is coming. And we, we always have that form and we always want to hear what God's doing in your life and be able to pray with you about that. So um, this isn't the end of the podcast where we usually do plugs like no. that, but it fits. So Absolutely. there you go. Let us know. Um, now, as we, as we get into the actual content of Ezra, you did a really good job kind of helping us to know the context. Because a lot of times when we, especially with the Old Testament, I feel like we approach a book and just it, it almost feels like it starts in the middle of the story because 
there's this long story of God's yeah. people. And, um, and so we find ourselves in Ezra and the people are in exile. Will you talk a little bit about Absolutely. what has led them to this point? Yeah, so 70 years of exile there. So they're on the back end of that. Um, before this moment, if you read, ever read through Jeremiah and some of the writings of Isaiah, you know that God had been warning the children of God for generations to remove themselves from idolatry and disobedience. And unfortunately, like yet nothing's changed. Like God is still warning us against these, these patterns, these mm -hmm. patterns of disobedience and idolatry. And I know sometimes we read scripture and we're like, oh, they're so dumb, but we read with hindsight and we get a chance to read from a 2000 foot view. I know often in my life, uh, I've made really dumb decisions that I didn't necessarily know were dumb until later. But um, in their disobedience and in their idolatry, you see this um, kind of world power come to the stage in Nebuchadnezzar and uh, the people of Babylon. And my goodness, they're a scary force to be reckoned with. Nebuchadnezzar is not just known as a world military might, but he goes on to be known as one of the most uh, powerful builders uh, of that time. Um, and before his reign ends, they basically conquered the known world, which is a huge deal. Yeah. Huge deal. So, um, yeah. So after all of the warnings, they refused to change and the hand of protection was lifted 20 years worth of a, a siege from the first invasion to conquest. And we find King Nebuchadnezzar doing what he does. He strolled into Jerusalem his uh, armies destroyed. I mean, he didn't stroll in. Did yeah, it take like 20 it years? It took 20 years, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But they end up decimating all of the buildings of any importance, including the temple, and then subjected the people to 70 years of exile. The only people he leaves in um, Jerusalem are the poor of the poor in order to maintain the fields. Um, so that's kind of where we find the children of God. A generation removed. Jerusalem is laid dormant for 70 years, and now this new king of Persia comes to the throne, King Cyrus, and he releases the children of God, stirred by a word from Jeremiah, and now the children of God are heading back home to build the temple. Which I think if we try to put ourselves in those shoes, it's honestly hard to even think about what it would mean to be exiled from home for so many of us, yeah. but it even goes beyond just home because Jerusalem represented a promise of God to his people. So it wasn't even just the physical removal from where they lived, but it was this, I brought you into this promised land. I, I delivered you from Egypt to here. This is where I'm setting up the temple. Like we talked about that kind yeah. of when we went through Kings over the summer, where my presence is, and then to see all of that destroyed and the people moved away. Like, I just, sometimes we can rush through those details and miss the fact that this was, this was devastating. Absolutely. Um, and then to get to the point where generations didn't even remember. Mm -hmm. You brought that up on Sunday and that really struck me like, oh man, people had babies and then those babies had babies and they had never even seen Jerusalem. Like, just just crazy to think it, yeah, it was all years. different and then um and then god spoke and i love that's kind of where we pick up the story of ezra starts with that and um it's surprising because the first person that we see god speaking to is not one of his people in exile it's king cyrus so um because i can get them mixed up a little bit Cyrus is different from nebuchadnezzar because yep. we're 70 years later but at this point is he still kind of king over Persia All the at known the point, world. yes. So <laughs> there's a, 
there's some history between Persia and Babylon. I don't want to go too deep into that, but, but in essence, what ends up happening is the Persian Empire takes over the known world and okay. King Cyrus is sitting on the throne. Um, and, and so Cyrus basically, God speaks to Cyrus, am I he, remembering Well, he right? speaks to Jeremiah. Okay. And so Jeremiah gives Cyrus a prophetic word, which again, that God still has Jeremiah in this position of influence is fascinating to mm -hmm. me. Um, the same person who had told the children of Israel 70 years prior, hey, listen, in exile, work for the work for the success of the city. Like this is gonna be 70 years, but God has a plan, God has a future, God has a purpose for you. That same person, God again gives a message to, and he now communicates to this king, and the king's heart is totally turned, which I love the picture of. And he begins to, to, to recognize the God of the Israelites as the God of the universe. And in turn says the God of the universe who has given me all this. So even acknowledges the influence of God to give him all that he ruled and reigned over, which is fascinating to see the way that God, again, before the children of Israel even stuck a shovel into the ground or knew that we're to stick a shovel yeah. into the ground. The spirit of God was speaking and spoke specifically to the heart of a foreign king. Yeah, I am. Um... I know you got on your soapbox a little bit on Sunday, which I love when you do that because you always, I don't know if you're aware, but you always like step aside <laughs> as though there's this microphone stand in front of you. And, um, but I thought it was a really important thing to talk about because crazy enough in 2023, we've already got like debates and we're talking about presidential election and we're yeah. all going to be so sick of it within a couple months. But one of the, the tactics that all sides of American politics can use is this fear that yeah. if your candidate is not in power, you're going to lose this and this and this. And um, it really doesn't matter what side it is or what issue it is. It's just kind of this tactic that's used. And yet you, you talked about how King Cyrus said that, you know, God appointed me. I wouldn't have any of this without God and how we don't need to be afraid. Talk about what that actually looks like for us as Americans who, I mean, we're constantly dealing with different people in authority over us, whether it's as, as high up as the president of the United States, but that could be local authority, that can be your boss at work. Um, there, there are lots of, that, that could be your HOA, I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> HOAs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like my money. <laughs> um, so Proverbs chapter 21, verse one, reads like this, the, the heart of the king is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. I, I think this is critical when dealing with authority, when dealing with those in power. Now, listen, I'm a huge advocate for, because of the nature of our country, for people to get involved, like get involved. If you really have that much of an issue with your HOA, like become a part of HOA. It's my plan. I just have to finish school first. <laughs> um, local government. Like I do believe that we should have men and women of faith in positions of, of local government, uh, you know, whether it's mayors or city council or school boards, like we need men and women of faith in those places. Um, even, even, you know, state level positions of influence and, and national level of influence. I, I completely believe we need to participate in these, in these systems. With that said, I also 
can't participate from a place of fear. And I think that that's unfortunately what's happened in the last 20 years or so. Fear is such a powerful motivator that it's become our only motivator as a country. Like, you got to vote for this guy. If you don't vote for this guy, the whole world's going to explode. Well, I mean, according to what we read in Proverbs, even if your guy doesn't get in, God still stirs the heart of those in leadership. Like, that's not me. I'm not making that up. You know, again, Proverbs, the way that he actually stirs is he directs it like water. Like, water doesn't have a say where it goes. It just comes out, and whatever you got in front of that spigot is, is what's going to direct that water. And the power of the influence of God says, I could even move the heart of a king of, of Persia. I'm sure he can move the heart of your city official. So... <laughs> Absolutely, I believe we can't be motivated by fear. We have to trust that if God is calling us to build, he is going to put the right people in positions of authority and move and shift their hearts as he sees fit and as he pleases. Yeah, I think that what you just said is is so key. If God has called us to build, yes. so often I think that we like... We get caught up at the initial calling and God's put this on my heart and God's going to make a way. And then as we get into the mess of it, because the reality for a lot of us is like that dream's really pretty on paper. Yeah. And then like life is happening all around it and things don't, don't go the way you thought that it would. And it's never exactly what we imagine. We almost we can sometimes forget that God is still the one making it happen. And that, that I feel like is when fear takes over, when we think it's, it's left up to our control and our ability to make this thing happen as though God like called and gave us that dream and then stepped away and is not going to be the one to resource and see that through. Um, so I, I just feel like that's kind of happening sometimes when we, especially when we put the blame on, Oh, well, I would never be able to do this because my boss would never let me, have this time off that I think I need to do this mission trip, or um, that's just the first example that came to mind. And the reality is, no, if God, if God wants it to happen, nothing's going to stop that from happening. It might not look the way you think. Yeah, and I think that that's critical. Like, we have to be motivated by the idea that God is the one who stirred our heart. And if he's the one who stirred our heart, he's not just speaking to you in that moment. He's also been speaking and mm -hmm. setting things up and preparing. That's kind of the, the title of our time Sunday was that God prepares. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he's preparing the ground for you before you may even know and before the stirring of your heart even begins. Mm -hmm. and, um, and if he's not, then <laughs> if he's not the one who stirred your heart, and that was just like a random idea you had, you don't want that to come to pass anyway if it's, yeah. not, if it's not really what God's will is. Um, so, you know, we can loosen up a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I do like how you said that because um, God's stirring the hearts was the very last step of the process. And we will get to it, but I don't want to skip out on God resourcing because this was huge too. Um, that after God speaks and he appoints people, he also resources for the task. And um, you read a passage from Haggai. Do you have that pulled up perhaps? I do. Uh -huh. I do have that. a pillow. The convenience I, of modern technology. I can almost tell you it from memory, but I would jack it up. So let me let me just pull it up real quick since I have it here. Um, so Haggai chapter 2, verse 7 to 9. I will shake all the nations, and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. And this, and I love this. He says, the silver is, uh, is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. 
this idea of the shaking um, mm-hmm. reminds me a little bit of like when you were younger and you wanted to get that um, the last bit of the money out of your piggy bank, how you would shake it violently and hope to get it we out. You were younger last week. Last I mean. week, yeah. <laughs> um, or the couch cushions, like trying uh-huh. to scramble for cash. Um, the picture here is that God will turn the nations upside down mm-hmm. in order to resource the thing that he's calling you to build. And I think it's critical to understand it just because specifically, if you could build it within your own resources, it's probably not God. What I love about this story in particular is it actually showcases how God provides. What I mean by that is he provided for the children of God when they leave. A part of Cyrus's, King Cyrus's declaration is that the neighbors of the Israelites that were in exile would actually um, hand them treasures and, and, and support their journey. So it starts with supporting their journey. Um, and for a lot of people who are in the build season, they know it's like startup costs are no joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need that jump right out the gate to really help you navigate the toughest part of the journey uh, of the build it really is just getting there. So critical. They give them the finances for the journey and support them, but then they turn around and they give them livestock. And what I love about the picture of livestock is it's renewable. Mm-hmm. Um, livestock isn't just for the moment, but five generations removed from that, you're going to have Israelites who's, who are being fed by the livestock of Babylon because their father's 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 father came out and someone gave them livestock on the journey. So it's a renewable form of resourcing mm-hmm. that they would they'd be able to take care of themselves. So it was uh, finances and resources for the journey, then resources for self-sustainability just to do life. But then he turns around and says, and then also give them a love offering so that they can begin the process of sacrifice. So like, so when they got there on their way in, the work of the kingdom started immediately Mm -hmm. because this foreign king and his foreign people actually finance the children of God and, and resource them. And God used and, again, shook this nation in order to resource the children of God with startup funds, with sustainable income for, this, for the sake of stability, and then also finances to do kingdom work. I think it's a beautiful picture of God who resources. And I, I, so when you're in a startup season and you're struggling a little bit to try to figure out kind of how, just know that you can trust in the God that we serve because he, because he resources. Mm-hmm. And I love that picture of being resourced by the community and then also having responsibility to continue the upkeep of that livestock because, you know, you don't take care of the livestock. It's not going to last for generations. Absolutely. That there's this combination of there's just going to be blessing from people that you would never even expect who aren't even invested in the rebuilding of the temple, really. They just are motivated by God and or the king to give you that resource but then also you're going to have an you're going to have a stake in that too and be continuing to like don't um, don't go into my sermon from this week Ashley oh, like sorry you know, you know to be fair I haven't read what the sermon is <laughs> quite yet I've glanced over it chapter but, two um, yeah, yeah it's Labor Day week guys <laughs> um, so finally after all of that the last step is that God stirs the hearts of the people to go back and um I think this is so critical because we often, and maybe just me, not necessarily everyone, but I feel like emotions are such a part of the way that we make decisions, the way that we move forward, even the way that I started this phrase with, I feel like. Yeah. Um, 
And yet what we see here is that God is at work before there's the stirring in the heart of the people, before there's this kind of emotional draw to go do something, which I feel like is really significant because it's not the way that we normally perceive the way God works in our hearts. We almost think like, I have to have this big emotional draw to something and then God is going to do X, Y, Z to make it happen. Do Do you feel like that's true to what was happening no, absolutely. Like that idea of stirring is to um, rouse awake. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a picture of someone sleeping and them being reawakened. Reawakened. Shout out to the women's retreat. Let's go. Reawaken. Reawaken 2023. Um, so even even the, the the phrase is used when talking about Jesus coming to life, mm-hmm. um, because often the way. The way that I've always read scripture, even when Jesus brings Lazarus to life, is that for Jesus, death is like sleep. Mm-hmm. He has such a dominion and power over all things, including death, that at the simple mention of his name, what's dead is stirred awake. Um, there are parts of us that, yes, the, the greatest stirring is our call to salvation, but then God will stir our hearts for certain things. He will stir our heart for certain things people groups mm-hmm. he'll stir our hearts to build like to step into new seasons and um what i again what i love about this story because before we even get to us is that he stirs the heart of jeremiah and stirs the heart of the king before he to your point stirs the heart of the people because they were necessary for the preparation um so yeah absolutely believe that if god has called you to build it he will stir up the heart of the right people and bring them into place where They'll be ready for you and waiting. Yeah. That's kind of just baffling when you think about it. Yeah, it's 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 specifically when you talk about like the love that God has for us, mm-hmm. that He He knows. Listen, when He stirs your heart and you first get that dream vision picture, uh, He knows that there's a part of us that tends to walk in fear. And the first thing out of our mouth is usually this is too big how. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea that all throughout scripture, we see a God who says, hey, even before you ask the how, I've created the, the, the how. Like I've already been working on the structure and the resources. I'm going to release this to you. All you have to do is say yes. And I think that's critical. Now, to your point, there is a personal responsibility. Once you say yes, you got to walk fully in it. And the children of God had to choose to leave, and they had to choose to walk through that journey. They didn't and it wasn't know easy. what they were going to find. They when had they got no there. idea what they were going to find. Again, seventy years worth of dormant landscape. Um, many of them found what was their houses in shambles, uh, grown over. Even foreign invaders had come in and pillaged Jerusalem. And honestly, after seventy years, there may be people who had like squatted i don't know i haven't read it ahead like but like 70 years is a long time there were people who probably considered that space their home and weren't going to be super enthusiastic about a bunch of people coming back no so um there's a there's a lot that you need to do but just know that before you're called to do anything there's a lot that god has already already Mm -hmm. done and he's gone and is going ahead of you and i think that that was the beauty of chapter one of of ezra this picture that no no before you even know what to say yes to, we serve a God who is preparing the way. Yeah. And, um, and then you can hold on to that in those moments where 
that fear starts to come up again and you remember like, no, this is, this is what God's already done. He's going to see this through to completion. Um, it's so encouraging. Yeah. I'm excited to keep going. Yeah, I can't um, wait. You already referenced a little bit, but um, yeah. where are we headed this week? So this week we read a little bit more about the people and their preparation. So if last week was how God prepares before we get there, this a lot. Uh, this week will be a lot of how we prepare. Once we know that the build season's coming, I do believe there's some things we do before we, again, throw a shovel in the ground. Like mm-hmm. there are some things that God is calling us to do to prepare our heart for the build. And um, this is actually a humbling, it, it, it was a humbling study this week. That's Just, awesome. I'm yeah, so excited. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it will be. So if you are watching this on Wednesday, the day that it drops tonight, we have family dinner. Yes, ma'am. So excited because... Just a little bitty hurricane delayed our start. So we'll finally be together tonight, 6.30, show up for dinner, and we'll have groups afterwards. And then we will be right back on Sunday morning, 9 and 11 in person or streaming live at 11 a.m. We can't wait to see you then. Mm